Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. The story you're about to hear was told by Maddie Butcher in November when the theme was Strangers. Maddie is a Maine native living in Mancus, Colorado, where she writes, rides, and treks. A former newspaper freelancer for the Boston Globe and many other publications, she creates content for her five websites, contributes to High Country News, and is the director of the Best Horse Practices Summit, a new equine education conference in Durango, Colorado. Here's Maddie's story. Any birders in the house? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you are, you know that flycatchers belong to this confusing group of birds, uh, many of them in the Epidinax complex. And these birds are small and relatively quiet and uh, all muted in color. Well, if you're not a birder, well, then they all look alike. And they're, uh, you probably wouldn't even notice them in this land of hawks and eagles and magpies and ravens but you might consider getting to know them because, like a lot of small, quiet beings, they have stories to tell. Two summers ago, uh, a pair of them, and by them I mean Cordilleran flycatchers in the Epidinax complex, they uh, arrived at our, our place and built a nest uh, on the beam that runs the length of our porch. This is a porch. Um, for the front door and the porch uh, that I might sit and read or watch the horses have a beer. It's also the launching pad for three extremely energetic dogs when we take rides or hikes or, or walks. Um, and so despite all this rowdiness and, and despite um, all the traffic, they successfully raised four young ones. Um, those babies lived in the nest for about two weeks. Uh, before taking off and continuing their life. Uh, this past summer, uh, a new pair of flycatchers, maybe the same pair, built a new nest on the beam of the porch and started raising a new family. And about uh, when the nestlings were about 10 days old, it happened that we had a group of guys at our place working on a fencing project. Um, there was uh, Jay, uh, the boss, the boss man, who is also a local rancher. Um, Cody and Bronco, who are uh, younger guys, work for Jay and also raise cattle. And Oscar, who works for Jay and um, emigrated from a small town, a lot like Mancus, he told me, um, in southern Mexico. So we are gathered around, admiring the fence work and talking about cows and horses when Cody noticed that one of my dogs has something in his mouth. And he called him over, <laughs> get emotional. Um, he called him over and took from Monty's mouth a baby bird. Um, Cody handed it to Oscar and Oscar handed it to me and I recognized it as one of those babies from the porch nest. It, was, uh, it had a yellow beak and was gray-green in color and had unsprouted tail feathers. So I held it in my hand and, um, and, and by the way, it was alive <laughs> and unhurt. So I held it in my hand and took it inside. Um, 
my mom was a licensed wildlife rehabilitator. Uh, she would be the one called when um, there's injured birds, owls and ospreys. It was normal to have roadkill in the freezer. Um, so I, uh, and, and, but a lot of them were um, small, like this one. And as I'd seen her do, I mixed up some sugar water and um, lacking a dropper, I, I touched, uh, dipped my finger in the liquid and, um, and touched the baby bird's beak and it took a few swallows and it blinked and it seemed a bit revived. So um, I got a step stool and placed it back uh, near the nest. I didn't want to put it in the nest. I figured they would all go. Um, and I got to thinking, um, how did this little bird take in this crazy encounter? It leaves the nest, it's eaten by a dog, but wait, not eaten, just held in this wet, hot, jostling mouth, pried from this mouth into a hand, and then another hand, and then another hand, imbibing a strange liquid before being placed back where it can see and hear its siblings. Um, did it know it had just dodged death? Was it just another day in the life? How did it consider us as strangers? When I was 10, my mom put me on a plane to, excuse me, to Portland, Maine, from Portland, Maine to Cleveland, Ohio, alone to visit my grandmother. I think she was a bit nervous, strangers and all, and she suggested that uh, if people ask me questions, I make a game of um, finding out more about them than they did about me. Ask more questions than you answer, as I think how she put it. Little did she know that I would consider this new game, this new sport, just fantastic. It made um, strangers more intriguing, not less. And um, I kind of think it kickstarted a career in journalism of asking total strangers questions all the time. <laughs> um, <whew>. <laughs> it also taught me to walk in the world without a headlamp. When we walk with headlamps, metaphorically speaking. When we walk with headlamps, I think we get comfortable with what's in the beam. And, uh, and everything outside the beam is unknowable. I think it's more fun and more enlightening to walk without a headlamp. Practically speaking, in, uh, I try to walk without a headlamp too. I live on a dirt road that's about four miles long. Um, ridges, it's in a, down a canyon, and ridges rise about 800 feet to the east and west. And when I head out, either in the, in the day or night, I try to prioritize listening and observation. And I think it's wild to consider that um, even if I'm being observant, the animals in the canyon, be them birds or bears, um, are seeing me more than I'm seeing them. I think I'm part of zillions of encounters that probably have meaning and consequence that I never know about. So 
So anyway, back to the bird. Um, when I checked a few minutes later, it had either flown or fallen from the nest, and I kind of said, well, enough interference. Um, I'll keep the dogs away, but we'll just have to let things take their course. The next day, it was in the lilac bush next to the porch, um, and it was getting regular deliveries of food from its parents, just like the siblings in the nest. The day after that, it was perched on the wheelbarrow next to the porch. The day after that, it was uh, back in the lilac, lilac bush. And um, after that, uh, the family was gone. But I could hear them chirping and chipping, um, so I knew they were around. Eventually, though, the family evaporated into kind of the greater birdscape of the canyon where I live. And I imagine that, you know, that baby and that family was one of thousands uh, raised successfully in the summer, last summer. So I guess I impacted that bird's life, but I got to thinking that bird impacted my life too. It gave me pause, it quieted me down, it got me to the page, it got me to a story, and eventually it brought me here. Thank you. Thanks, Maddie, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. And don't miss our Story Slam event coming up on January 13th in 2018 at the Durango Arts Center when the theme will be Cold Feet. You can also subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And of course, share these stories with your friends and comment on them. We love your comments. Special thanks to our photographer, McCarson Tafoya of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Now for an outtake. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. The story you're about to hear was told by Maddie. <laughs> Catching up on the fly. <laughs> Who was the Who story was it, told uh, Where are we? What was the theme? <laughs> These are questions well, that I told. have. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let's try that again. Take two.